there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rose Hour Podcast. And today, you're in for a treat for two amazing guests. Yay! Tish around town who knows where everything is, like food, drinks, everything in your town. She's around it. Get to know her. And Alexis Akanis from Brick and Mortar Wines. Yay! Pew, 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 pew! Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rose Hour Podcast. And guess what? What? It's Bartender Bay! <laughs> it's me. It's me. Listen to that applause. Oh, man, I love it. And today you're it. getting all this love because... Because what? You are being honored. Oh, oh God. Oh, I feel like the Price is Right music should play. I know, dun, dun, I know. Dun, dun. I'm like, for what? What for? So, you know, tomorrow we are hosting our amazing virtual happy hour. And we're doing a celebration and honoring black veterans. And you're a black vet. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Yay! Yes. Yes, it's an important day tomorrow, um, Thursday. It's kind of like an unofficial, we need to make an official holiday, you yeah. know. So for our listeners, fans, please spread it around. Every July 30th, make sure you celebrate a black veteran that you know, that you can go give them a hug, probably get, you know, take them out to eat or something. What's your cash app? Yeah, what's the cash app? Okay. No, what's yours? Mine is money sign Ben, B-E-N. D-U-R-D-Y Yes Support yeah. a black vet Donate yeah. Donate a snack A lunch A meal A drink Something to a black vet And if you don't know one You know Ben Man please I love <laughs> meals I, I take food As currency Please You know If you have a nice Food and rosé Food and rosé Hey that's all I need Right All I have for the leader said It's me and food and wine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No bull So So tell people like huh? who Who's Ben And the the military world like what branch or like what did you do how long did you serve all right well um, like give us like a minute of you all right all right right. real quick um so i was in the marine corps for eight years and i was aviation ordinance and so what i did was uh we built um the bombs missiles rockets for the jets and we delivered them to the guys that would load them on the jets so it was kind of, you know, hard work, technical job. Um, and then from there, uh, I transitioned to combat instruction. Um, so what, is, what does that mean? Um, just teaching people how to, like, um, do urban assault training and, and how to assault rooms and clear rooms, how to organize breach teams, stuff like that. So um, we did this training out of Mojave Viper. Um, it's out in the Mojave Desert. So it's really just a, a city that's set up to simulate like an Iraqi town. Oh. And we would have troops come through and we would teach them different movements, how to clear different types of rooms, different shapes of rooms, stuff like that. Wow. I'm pretty sure, you know, you've traveled the world then in your, your time of service. So like what countries have you been to? Um, Can you disclose that? Yeah, 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 no, it's nothing like that. Um, so like Japan, Australia, uh, Iraq, Kuwait, 
uh, Afghanistan, Guam, I know it's so many. All of the United States. Yeah, you 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 did your your tours like literally a tour. Like uh, Ben bartender Ben uh, does twenty countries. <laughs> yeah, That's I always, crazy. I always wanted to go back and visit, especially Japan, like outside of military service. Yeah, because it's like completely different. I yeah, would suppose. Yeah, there's a lot of restriction <laughs> on us when we go into different countries, and I don't really disagree with that because sometimes these guys go out of out of country and, and do some wild stuff. So yeah, you guys need babysitters sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely agree. Well, I mean, hey, we thank you for your service. Um, and want to just ask you too, you know, like making the transition from out of service uh, into civilian life. Like, what would you say were, were some of the barriers that you think that Black veterans face that kind of are not highlighted? Um, I know one day you gave me a stat like every twenty two seconds, you know, a veteran uh, takes their life, but that's even higher risk for those that are Black. Uh, they're more prone to homelessness and of course you know just the treatment from the the military um you know and racial discrimination into now after post and services like how does this all like how did this impact you um so especially for me i went into the military at 17 so the way I was taught to communicate, handle situations, assess problems, and all that stuff was taught to me as a, a young adult. And that was the only thing I knew. Mm. So now if you think about that compounded with this stereotype that black men are angry, we're hyper-aggressive, you know, um, we're not good communicators. You know what I mean? So you, yeah. you lay that stigma on top of being taught to be a, a very direct communicator being able to you know assess problems really quickly and also you get the importance of rank structure and in, 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 in that so when you take that out into the civilian world you're dealing with people that doesn't have that type of institutionalized thinking right so when you get it amongst people like the world just doesn't make sense mm. because you're like well, well why are you thinking like that that doesn't help, you know. I mean, especially in the military. I know, especially when the Marine Corps, we taught a lot of group and team dynamics. Right. So, and but when you think about a team dynamic, it's not just about being helpful, but it's also doing things that will put your teammates first, so everybody will win. Mm. So it's less of a. <clears throat> person like me first type of situation it's more of a team dynamic like how do I make sure everybody's okay it's like not the airplane you know where you got to put your mask on first it's more of put the mask on someone else first well yeah and also just doing things like making sure that you know how to work your own mask so someone else is not picking up that slack and, and helping you oh you see what I'm saying that's like more, doing your part and knowing what your right, role is right wow. it's like everyone it's like playing on a basketball team right the center's position is not like the point guard. Right. The shooting guard has a different position than the small forward. Mm. But them collectively doing their individual jobs and tasks and holding themselves accountable make sure that team wins. Right, right. You see what I'm saying? It's not any hero ball. It's like, hey, the center's around the hoop. He's going to block the shot or he's going to dunk it. Right. You see what I'm saying? The point guard is going to bring up the, the, the ball at the court. He's going to facilitate the play. Right. So... 
similar to in the military is the same way like you know everything is, is, is broken down to a team so like even if you had like a group of veterans it wouldn't even matter with a branch of service if you threw them in a room and you gave them a problem you would see them one organize themselves develop a hierarchy assess how to get to the you know yeah assess how to get the uh, problem done and then they would break it down and get it done. Yeah, and I think that's so amazing. And unfortunately, you know, that transition out, you know, you don't see, you know, civilians like myself, we don't think like that. So it's really important to know that um, and knowing that there are barriers to veterans who are um, leaving service and transitioning to um, civilians, you know, and that's, that's really important to, to be able to adapt again. Right. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for your service. What's your cash app again? It's a mighty sign, B E N D U R D Y. Yes. And this is not charity, right? Like, let's just be real. Like, on Veterans Day, what do people do? They see a vet, they're like, oh, let me get you a meal. And it's like a free meal somewhere. So, for black vets, we want to highlight it specifically for them because how often do you see a black vet that you are trying to help? You know, um, a lot of people are like homeless black men are like trouble and they ain't up to no good or strung out on drugs. Uh, but they forget like the Tuskegee Airmen and all the stuff that they did and giving them syphilis um, and strung out on drugs because like Agent Orange and all these other crazy things that I've done. So we're going to talk about the history of like the treatment of black vets um, and actually blacks in service and, and, and sort of like how they uh, come out and what what barriers they're facing and how we can support them. Uh, we're working with the Black Veteran Project. Uh, mm-hmm. So follow them And we're just so excited So check us out tomorrow at 6.30 um, And our post on Instagram So you know where we're going to be um, We're going to socially distance with this conversation um, But we're having several vets, correct? Uh, joining us that you yes. know Yes, yes, yes Yes, it's going to be a great show We're going to definitely pick their brains And so, you know, I think Not only to highlight these veterans But also to get into the mindset of of what it is to be a black veteran. Yeah. You know, and a, and a lot of times some people, I think unbeknownst to the veteran, may be doing things that's triggering, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it's just highlighting what those things are and, and, and you know, just being kinder to a vet, you know? I agree. And that's what you this know. is all about. When you know better, you do better. And yes, so yes, from ma'am. the wine industry to everyday life, we just want to just make sure that people are aware of different jobs, industries, people, and understand like how we all can make the world a better place no joke on the michael jackson lyrics there <laughs> yeah but i mean I, I really i really appreciate um you for for really bringing this to light you know you really saying like hey we need to do this for black veterans yeah you know and really do. coming from someone that's not a vet it's like damn that means a lot you Aww. know because I mean? you don't get a lot of people that that, that think and 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 say things like that and do things like that well you know what's crazy is a lot of black people that you know whether and and anyone out there right if you know someone black you probably know someone who fought in the korean war uh hell my dad dad. yeah like there's there's a lot of things that happened to a lot of black men in that korean war that have not been talked about Mm -hmm. um it is not history um the vietnam war is another one where a lot of black men uh selfishly did a lot of things uh selflessly excuse me did a lot of things to support this country and then when they came back they couldn't even get a mortgage on a house right so you know it's time that we you know celebrate these men who have done so many things and you know helped our families and generations you know definitely definitely Um, 
Man, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just really happy that we're doing this. You know, yes. I'm just really happy that we're really taking this time to the spotlight that because every time you think about like veterans, right? Yes. You don't see the black veteran in the picture. It's kind of like, I don't know, some dude. A white guy from like Kansas. Yeah, you know what I mean? And it's always not- a Midwest guy, you know, like. He wanted to be a football star, but, you know, he wanted to serve his country. Right. Where it's like, you know, there's black men who, unfortunately, weren't able to go to college for whatever reason. They wanted a better life. They already have trauma. uh, And they're going to the military where there's more trauma. So when they come out, there's even more trauma that's never been addressed. Right. And then you have to readjust into a new world that you don't understand. Yeah, and I think it's really important that we talk about it. So thank you for sharing your story. And I can't wait for tomorrow for us to talk about this more. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you know, I love that sound, man. It's, you know, it's something. It's like, you know, a gym is about to be dropped or something magical is about to happen or has happened recently. Well, I, I you, like, know, you know what else is magical then? <laughs> I love that sound. It's like when we take a sip, like what we're doing right now. (laughs) Brick and mortar. Yes. You did your thing with this wine. Please pass that message along. Yeah, it's brick and mortar. So (laughs) Alexis, who's our second interview today, Uh um, owns brick and mortar. uh, And we had some of their 2018 rosé. It's from the Sonoma Coast. So out of Sonoma, uh, California. Um, It's amazing. So delicious. So delicious. And... um, Basically, the f- the f- the the the, the notes, <laughs> aroma of cherry, Kapler lime, red apple. The palate is a juicy and fresh with red raspberry and fennel. Yum! Yeah, give that little zing at the end. Yes, and it's salty, yeah. minerality, and vibrant acidity. Man. Yes, it's Go delicious. Get it. Yes. Go pick. How can they get a bottle of this stuff? You can go to brickandmortarwines.com and then also listen to our interview with Alexis. Uh, she's the second interview um, and she'll tell you more about how she even got into the wine industry. All right, so who's our first interview? Oh, I'm glad you asked. It's Miss Tish Around Town. Who is that? Well, Tish Around Town, she's in Texas and she's just... What, a, part, oh, what part of Texas? Don't get me to lie. I believe it's Houston. She's H-Town. H-Town. Oh, get shit. down. Yeah. Okay. Yes, chopped and screwed. And and like she's just a queen in her own right. She is in a luxury brand uh, type person in travel, uh, food, wine. Um, She could tell you, like she was telling me places here in DC. I was like, yes. So she's someone you should definitely. Houston tells us about DC we live in. Right. And she was telling me like how she travels abroad by herself and like tries new wines and like she travels uh, to just get more of an understanding of the industry. So she's just so amazing. But her daytime job, we're talking about that. She she has a nine to five um, and she works in a uh, lending for small businesses and, and loans. So she does a lot of good work. Man, you, you hear that uh, entrepreneur, small business owners, you may want to get her contact information. Yes. You may want to lock in because yeah. we need that lending. We need that funding. Everybody needs a dollar. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, without further ado let's get into our first interview with tish around town tish 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 hey girl hey
Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosé Hour podcast. And today, you guys are in for a great treat. She is Southern. She is from the great state of Texas doing amazing things. She's around your town and everywhere that you want to be. The most amazing Tish around town. Yeah! Hey, Tish. Hello there, Renee. I love that. I love that intro. Well, thank you. I'm here to provide all um, backing of people's celebrations of their moments in life. So if you need me in your pocket to pop out and do that, I'm here for it. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because anytime someone can have their intro like that, I'm going to need you to walk through the door before I get there and, and deliver that intro. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And I'm willing to do it because you're so amazing. Um, and we just love your work. Um, you know, we're a super new podcast. Um, due to COVID, we are like, Let's find something to, you know, keep us occupied. But like you are true to this, not new to this. You are the queen of this. And like we just watch and listen and and participate in all the things you do. And it's so amazing and innovative. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, you know, Tish Around Town has definitely been a journey. Um, it, was, it was kind of birthed. It was actually birthed in Atlanta. I actually lived in Atlanta for 17 years. Wow. So I lived in Atlanta for 17 years and Tish Around started about six years ago. Um, I moved back home to Dallas three years ago. So I'm just kind of back home, you know, digging into my Texas roots. Mm. So, and to kind of sum up Tish Around Town, is it's kind of simple. It's kind of where like food, plus wine, plus travel meat. And if I had to say the best way to describe myself is that I'm a big wine enthusiast and at the same time on a journey of um, being a wine educator. And then I'm a big foodie because I love good food. And then I love to travel. So a wonderless. I just love being a wonderless and seeing what's out there to travel. So and what what to do and explore. So yeah. And so with with all of those things, is it considered like a luxury or just like a lifestyle? I would say it's more of a lifestyle, you know, because, you know, for me, Tisha around town, I just I love good food good wine and to travel and then just meet people and then actually you know the the birth of Tish Around Town really came from you know I want to continue sharing my experiences with my family and friends and that's where it kind of started I was that individual that everyone would call where to go where should I go to go get this okay my husband is our anniversary Tish you know he doesn't really eat the food 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 but where's a really nice restaurant that we can still go to where should I go if I'm in California where should I go so that's kind of the birth of Tish around town because I wanted to be able to share my um, love for food and wine and spirits with my family and friends and then it kind of came its own little animal and I'm continuing to share those things so yes so okay so you are the queen the guru the master the the sensei of travel food and wine so we gotta ask the question if you are in Dallas where are you taking us for good food for good drinks and where should we stay (laughs) okay so let's do this okay so If you're coming to Texas and you're coming to Dallas, and if we're talking about Texas, I couldn't do anything else but take you to go eat Mexican food. Mm, Yeah. Now, now, you know, it just kind of is levels to this thing. So, you know, (laughs) so 
Now, I have I have a few favorite restaurants, but I can say and I could, you know, I, I would say, hey, we're going to go to a I call them kind of the shopping center malls, shopping center uh-huh. yeah, pushed off in the corner. You can you make your blink, you'll miss it. Yes. And so yeah, I have a few of those I'll take you to. So uh, uh, Gabrielle and Sophia is one of my favorites. It's like right, right next door to the Kroger. And, uh, you know, they <laughs> It's it's very non-script. It's not fancy or anything like that. Um, Then if I started to get into um, something a little bit more fancy that's fun and it's more of a Latin feel, um, Tay DeCero has became one of my favorites that probably opened a little bit earlier this year. And it's it's beautiful. It's downtown Dallas. Um, It's not too far from the the American Airlines Center where the Mavericks play. And so you're kind of in the mix and then if i had to say you're still down in that area um i'm a fan of the w sometimes when i go to cities mm-hmm. um because i i like that i like the opportunity to be able to come down from my room and if i do want that bar lounge feel i can get it and i can stay right there in a the hotel um but some but dallas has some beautiful you know beautiful um hotels too you know beautiful like more boutique hotels and things like that the canvas is another one they have some of the most beautiful views over dallas um still can give you that feel of they have a beautiful lounge on their rooftop so you're still able to kind of get that feel of okay if i don't have to go far i can still go have a drink and get that lounge and kind of chill feel so that would be you know our our little trip around dallas yes i love it and i've never been to dallas so i can't wait to come visit you well okay well it's gonna be fun i already feel it (laughs) post-covid i already feel it so okay yes and i'll be having some events so i'll have you have to come down for one of my events yes we would love to be so much fun woohoo I'm already yes. excited. So Tish around town, it, like, how did you come up with the name? I know you were saying like you, you know, are the go-to person your friends uh, connect with, but how did you come up with it? Like, cause that's a pretty cool name. <laughs> so basically the name is the name. I mean, I was always around town. I'm always gone. I'm always on the move. Not now. I mean, you know, COVID has slowed me down. Yeah, some. Tish and around the year, living room. Yes, <laughs> right. Tish around the living room. Tish from the kitchen to the living room to the bathroom, and that's right. about my little radius now. But you know, it, it actually, it actually, it actually was was it just it came pretty easy because you know my my full name is Matisha. I don't mind telling people that, and so you can kind of tell how I know people based on what they call me. My you know my high you know high school friends, elementary, I'm Matisha in college. I was Tish, and then from there, post-college on through adulthood, I've been primarily Tish. So I started to use, you know, Tish primarily. And then around town, I was always out and exploring and looking and sharing. So, and then at the same time, even when I travel internationally or to, you know, somewhere here domestically, I'm around that town. So, and it's on, um, on Instagram, you can always do like Tish around NOLA. Tish around yeah. Dallas, Tish, and so you will be able to see that I've been around different towns and some of the uh, hashtags. Tish around Lisbon, Tish around Croatia, Tish around. Wow. So you will be able to see some of those things that I've been able to do because I'll I'll get around my I'll get around in different towns. <laughs> I love it. She gets around y'all in every different town. I love it. That could be like a new song, like a theme song for you. <laughs> I know I may need to write one. 
I'm here for it. And we have a recording studio that you can record it in. So when you're around DC, you can make that happen. Right. <laughs> so where is your favorite, like, resting place that you've traveled to where you went for R&R, you didn't go for work, you didn't really care about going to see sites. You were just like, I need rest. <sighs> I'm going to tell you my favorite place to go in the United States. Okay. In the United States, I love to go to San Fran, <gasps> spend a few days in San Fran, like one or two days in San Fran. Very kind of chill because I'm a city girl at heart. Mm-hmm. So I love the vibe of the city. Okay. And then you can take me out to wine country and drop me off in Napa and Sonoma. And I am the happiest camper alive. Yes. I love it. Napa. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my gosh. Sonoma. Napa. Just the just the feel of the city. It's quiet. You know, you know, by nine o'clock I'm in my I'm already back in my room. I've been tasting all day. I've had a great time. You know, that that type of thing. So I love that vibe. If I'm out of the country, and like I say, I'm I'm one of those I'm one of those individuals that I don't have to have a beach. Like I'll do a beach vacation every once in a while. I like cities. So my new favorite city that I just really enjoyed last year is that I went to, I, w- I was in Lisbon and okay. I'm really excited about going back to Portugal and really exploring, but it was kind of a laid back. It still gave me my city vibe and that city feel and energy, but it still was laid back. I like cities that still kind of shut down at that. You mm-hmm. feel like that nine, 10 o'clock, you know, you can still kind of relax. But at the same time, you can still get that city feel. So I would say that those are kind of like my two kind of favorites. And I would say Lisbon. I really did enjoy Lisbon. I felt like it was just very light, laid back and relaxing for a city. Wow. And so did you go tasting uh, in Lisbon, like at different vineyards? Because I, I I mean, you're in Spain, so. <laughs> right. And you can just walk down the street and do tastings at restaurants and it's amazing. <laughs> so, you know, when we, so when we were, so we were, so we were in Lisbon, we had a, um, we had a quick little layover in Lisbon. I was going, I was traveling to uh, Croatia for a music festival. So we had a quick little layover in Lisbon. It was only there about two, three days. So when, but so when being in Lisbon, you know, you're really more so in the city. So we did do some wine tasting at some of the actual restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the one thing about, you know, the, the, the Portugal kind of wine scene and all of that, I mean, they have some, they make some beautiful wines. Yeah. Um, they're inexpensive. And I always tell people like, you know, if you got an opportunity, taste around and, you know, try some wines from Vino Verde and try some wines from Dial and try some, you know, different things. Oh, and they have some great uh, rosés that they do out of Vino Verde too. Trust Ooh, me. I love yes. them. But, oh. <laughs> you know, it, you know, but at the same time, you know, it gives you opportunity to try some different, um, wines from some different regions and Portugal wines are still fairly uh, inexpensive in the United States. So you can get a bottle of, you know, Verde for, you know, $7 to $11 and, you know, and still have a great glass of wine. So. Yes. And we're here for that. And for that tip on a frugal uh, budget friendly wine. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like I say, I have a, I have, I have actually a Vino Verde, 
rosé now in the um in my um in my refrigerator in preparation actually i have a event next week that we're actually exploring portuguese wines and so in preparation of that i was like let me grab this this um this portuguese vino verde rosé so i could start kind of getting in that mode and then at the same time um just just enjoying rosés and stuff for the summer i mean that's that's my thing all year round, actually, but yeah. Yeah, rosé all day, right? <laughs> all day, every day, twice every on day. Sunday. <laughs> yes, yes, to the twice on Sundays. <laughs> yes. So, Tish Around Town, you do a lot of events. What are some of the events that are upcoming uh, that people can connect with you on or that, you know, you're, you're thinking about doing or, or, or actually are planning right now? Okay. So currently right now, and similar to, you know, your podcast kind of something that was born out of COVID is that I have a virtual um, chat and sip that I do. Um, We're doing it twice a month during COVID for three months. We did it every week during COVID. But basically it's a sip and socialize while you learn experience. Mm -hmm. So I bring in some different um, prominent figures in both the uh, wine and spirits industry. They come in, they um, teach on a certain subject matter and share, you know, on a certain subject matter. I've also had some live and intimate wine tastings, bringing in winemakers and and, and, um, and, 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 um, different people just in the industry um, related to wine and spirits and having the conversation. So that's been really fun and, and, and has opened a lot of um, doors and opportunities of meeting some different individuals in the industry that I'm able to bring onto the show to be able to kind of share. So, um, so that, that's going to continue going on. I just figured like 2020 is kind of a interesting year and I think that we're going to remain in a virtual world for quite a bit mm-hmm. so um, I'm basically I'm planning out the remainder of the chat and sips for the remainder of 2020 um, at the same time I'm trying to you know do a little bit of pre-planning for 2021 um, I will be doing some um, some events I will probably be doing some things in Dallas Atlanta, and I'll probably be doing some things in Detroit. Those are kind of my three places that um, I, I like to spend some time. And I have good friends that live in Detroit. I actually like going to Detroit and hanging out in Detroit. Yes. Um, so I wanted to do some do some events there. And then at the same time, living in Atlanta 17 years. And then at the same time, being back home in Dallas. So that's will be like more of the brick and mortar type of events. I still will continue to do some virtual events. And then I'm looking at planning probably like two to three trips next year. So I'm looking at probably possibly taking a group to Oregon um, to do Oregon wine country, Napa. And then I'm trying to think of the third place. So, you know, so to be on a lookout because, you know, Tish around town. And actually, I'm thinking about doing something here in Texas to kind of bring people down here to Dallas to explore the Texas wine region, too. So, yeah. So that actually might be something and give people a taste of Dallas. And then at the same time, introduce the North Texas uh, wine region to them, too. So, yeah, because I mean, I know they say there's like a wine region throughout the country, like every portion of the country has a wine uh, 
possibility. I think I talked to a yeah. couple of sommeliers who are like, yeah, you know, I can figure one out. Because like I was like, well, Kentucky, you know, I'm just always thinking it's bourbon. But they yeah. actually have a huge wine scene in Kentucky. And so yeah. knowing that it's amazing to hear like, you know, bringing people to Dallas and, and learning more about wine country there. It's so awesome. Yay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's interesting because the um, Texas is actually ranked number five as into, you know, uh, top wine regions in the United States. So they're in so they're in a, they're, they're, they're an emerging wine region right now. Um, it's, you know, they, they they put quite a bit of money into the overall, you know, construct of the money that's in the wine region. Um, you know, it's they have over 400 wineries in Texas. What? I mean, even just within I live I live in Dallas, so you know Dallas is considered North Texas. Even within North Texas, there are like 80 there are like 80 wineries that are, are within probably a two two to three hour drive from Dallas, Texas. Wow, that's yeah. fascinating, and I, I I'm really serious. I can't wait. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so that actually might be the third. That might be what well, be the third thing to actually invite people to, to Texas and be able to give you a feel of okay, here is Dallas, but hey, let me also take you about forty five minutes outside the city and show you what Texas has to offer from wine. You know? Yes, 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 yes. I love that, and and. I mean, Texas, everything's bigger in Texas. So I imagine the wine is bigger. <laughs> yes, yes. You will oh, love it here. I'm, I'm so excited. I do like coming to Texas. I've just never been to Dallas. I've been to Austin, Houston, um, Galveston, actually. And, you know, as we're celebrating Juneteenth yesterday, like it was interesting to go down there when I did, because I did like a Juneteenth tour. But yeah. um yeah, Dallas, I've heard great things. And I've heard great things about the food, the culture. So I'm really yeah. excited. Yes, it, it is. It, it's it's a very it's a very, it's a fun city. It, it's definite definitely a fun city and a lot to do. Um, and it, it is true, everything is big in Texas. So you know, yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm just choking on my coffee because I'm so excited about everything right now. <laughs> no problem. So I, I like to ask this question because I know you have a lot of things coming up. And like you said, you're, tra- you're, you're planning these trips next year. How can people connect with you and sort of like partner or reach out to you? I keep it pretty simple. <laughs> Tish around town, everywhere. So basically, a Tish around town on IG and Facebook. And then I have my website, which is tisharoundtown.com. I love simplicity and consistency. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I keep, I try to keep, I try to keep it simple. So if you're looking for me, you can pretty much find me at Tisha Round Town. <laughs> yes. Well, we can't wait to, to partner with you on some of these things that you're doing. Um, and also, I, I have to know this answer. What, because you're, you're the, you're the all knowing. What is your favorite rosé? You know, I have to tell you what my favorite is right now, today, because yes. it can change tomorrow. So. It, right, because there's so <laughs> many. Gonna, it's not enough time to taste them all. <laughs> this rosé season, because usually I have a favorite that I'm drinking throughout the season. So this rosé season, hands down, is uh, La Fête du Rosé. That is yes. my favorite, favorite favorite. I mean, you know, I had an opportunity to meet the, um, the, you know, the man behind. Yeah. Donay. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I had a chance to meet him. He's also was on chat and sip, but I had a chance to meet him last year in New Orleans at a, um, black wine event there. And I mean, I fell in love with it at that time. 
um, when I'm in Atlanta, I'll, I'll, you know, in Atlanta, I can go to the store and I can purchase it out at the store. So I'll always rush into the shelf and I'm like, oh, I'm in Atlanta. Let me grab a few bottles of paint. Yes. You know, I'm here. I'll, you know, so, but I, I really do like it. My, the biggest thing I really like of the, um, about Lafette itself is that it's a beautiful, beautiful, well-made style, a Provence style rosé. Mm -hmm. So it can match up to any Provence style rosé. And Provence is that premier rosé, you know, rosé comes out of that region. That's the, you know, best expression of the rosé, the whole nine. It's amazing. It has that beautiful pastel pink color, Mm -hmm. has great notes of strawberries and peach. And then the terroir gives it that kind of touch of spice yes. and so when you're when you're sipping one it's just this little hint of spice like um like one of the psalms that i work with he just charles springfield he described it as a jalapeno taste and i was like oh that could be it but it to me it's a touch of spice that i really enjoy so yeah hands down Danae is winning in all of this right now for me. So that's my favorite for this season. Um, I've also been kind of peeking around and actually enjoying some rosés that are actually made out of Pinot Noir grapes. So I've actually been drinking some rosés out of the Oregon region too. Yeah, and people don't sleep on Oregon. Like... They no. got some wines out there, <laughs> and they make some beautiful. They make some beautiful rosés because I also would shout out um, Andre Max Love Drunk, which is made with a Pinot Noir grape, mm. and it's, it's out of that Oregon region. And that's another one of our amazing black winemakers. Yes, shout out to the black winemakers. Yes, yes. yes. And take this moment, y'all. If you are not black, keep supporting black owned um, winemakers and vineyards and establishments and companies and support people like Tish around town and myself here at the Rose Hour, because this is more than a moment. Uh, This is a new lifestyle and we need to be a more encompassing of black businesses. So, yes, I appreciate you giving that plug about black owned businesses and wineries. Yes, we we have to do it. You know, it's it's interesting right now. And, you know, we all know what's going on currently right now in the world and the fight for equality. And, you know, but but, you know, black wine professionals matter, you know. Yes. Black wines matter. They do. They do. Black wines matter. Black winemakers matter. Black professionals matter. You know, and wine yes. matters. So, you know, so I, I do, you know, I, 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 you know, we just got to see exactly where this journey take us right now and, and, and what's going on. But I'm glad that people are listening. Yes. So. It's about doggone time. <laughs> yep. I think people hear us right now. So I, I can, I, I can, I can only appreciate that. And, and, and pray that we can continue on this journey together. Yes, agreed. Well, Tish, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait for what we have in store for the rest of this year and our lives because I feel like we are going to keep departing for the rest of our lives together. Yay! (laughs) Thank you again. We just are so, so thankful for you and all you've done in this industry and highlighting the amazing companies, people, and and yourself for just being so delightful and so amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a ball to record and just to talk rosé and talk wine and just to get opportunity to meet you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Oh, no problem. Cheers. Cheers.
Hey there, friends. It's me, Renee Johnson, here at the Rose Hour Podcast. And today, you guys are in for such a super duper treat. She's in California. She has her own small family winery. She's also a sommelier. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, wine drinkers and rosé lovers, I pronounce to you the most amazing, Alexis Akanis. <laughs> and I just butchered it after I said it right. I am so That's sorry. Okay. Close enough. well how are you and thank you for joining the show i'm doing great and it's so nice to be on the show and talk about rosé it's one of my favorite styles of wine uh so i'm really excited to to chat for the next few minutes yeah definitely now since i butchered your last name do you mind (laughs) saying it for everyone so they know yeah my name is uh alexis iconis and it is a really unique name it's uh misspelled name uh, from Ellis Island. So it was it was oh. an Italian name, Giacconi, but, but now it's Iconis. Wow. Yeah. There that is a huge uh, misspelling. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say that. Oh my. But it's Ooh, okay. Yeah. Now I sound Greek with my first name, so I, I don't mind that. I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> and speaking of Greek, uh, you know, Greek wines are great too. So this is all, you know, it's all, all all part of a greater system here. For sure. <laughs> so, Alexis, we want to know more about you. Like, how did you get into this industry and also become a sommelier? Yeah, so it started, I have always loved cooking and I pursued becoming a chef. Uh, worked in the culinary field since high school, all through college, kind of just as a job, uh, cooking. Um, And then I decided to go to culinary school. So I went to the Culinary Institute in Hyde Park, New York, the CIA. And I really had all intentions of just being a chef as a career. Um, While you're there, you take a wines class. They want chefs to know a little bit about food and wine pairing. So I took the wines class, which was my favorite, one of my favorite classes there. It's an amazing program. And, uh, that was the first time I actually drank wine. And this is back in 2003. Okay, oh, I was wow. there. Yep. So that was the first time I discovered wine. And then part of the program is you take an internship at a restaurant or hotel anywhere in the country or around the world to get some real life work experience. So I picked a beautiful hotel in Napa Valley called Auberge du Soleil. Mm. And while I was there cooking in the kitchen, I would go out wine tasting on my days off and really started to love wine and start to study it then. And then fast forward a couple of years, I could never get California, Northern California out of my head. It's such a beautiful place. I grew up on the East Coast in Massachusetts. Oh, and, nice. Uh, so so you wanted to get away from the cold. <laughs> I did. I, I'm not a snow person. I've shoveled a lot of it. You know, had a lot of car accidents on the black ice. So oh. California is, is sunny. It's beautiful. I, I moved back out here in 2008 and opened a small gourmet food market and cafe, local foods. Mm. And... Uh, there, you know, the economy took a downturn and uh, 
had to close the business. But the silver lining was that the job that I got directly after my business closed, first business, was working in a fine dining restaurant in Sonoma County. It was a two-star Michelin restaurant at the time called Cyrus Restaurant. And it was there that I actually got to uh, get my hands on some bottles and start training to become uh, a SOM. Yeah. And with that training with the SOM, I know there's a lot more to your story. I just have to stop here because, yeah. I, you know, Netflix had a movie about a guy who wanted to become a sommelier. And so people were like Somalian. And it's 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 one of those things that people may not understand. So what exactly is a sommelier really quickly? I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, a sommelier, it's it's something that, you know, I would tell people that was my job title. No one would understand what that is and still don't. Um, but a sommelier in a restaurant is the person who's in charge of selling the wine. You know, so you do drive a lot of the revenue of the restaurant by knowing all of the selections on the wine list, knowing about the world of wines, local wines, if you're in wine country, and being able to pick the right bottle so that the guest has the best experience based on what they want to spend, their taste preferences, uh, the menu, of course. So this was very interesting to me. I uh, had an entry-level position at the restaurant. It's called a food runner. Basically, your job is just to take the multiple courses out from the kitchen, describe the dish to the guest, and then go back and get the next item. So their, wow. their tasting menu was, at the time, 12 courses. And uh, I started to ask the sommeliers a lot of questions, and they would give me tastes of some of the bottles that were opened in the dining room. <clears throat> and at the oh, time, yes. <laughs> which That's was always good. just stand at the right place at the right time. Pardon me. <clears throat> and uh, so I, I asked if, if they would take me under their wing and, and teach me a little bit. And at the time I was uh, a single mom. I had two, two small children in preschool and was working this, this job at night, uh, very long hours already and they said yeah sure we'd love to teach you but we're not going to pay you to do it so if you want to come in so this is pretty standard in the restaurant industry um you know if you if you want to learn come on in early and mm. you can help us out in the wine cellar and so i said okay i spent uh, a couple of hours every day before my ship shift helping them put away bottles doing inventory, stocking the wines for the evening. And after many months of this, um, then I became kind of their assistant sommelier. So when they would want to take vacation or go to uh, a test or something, I was on. And that's kind of how I got my first crack at actually being a, a sommelier on the dining room floor. Wow. Which was, you know, you have to put in a lot of work and a lot of it is not for pay, not for cash, but you know the reward over the years has been really great for putting in those hours all those years ago. Um, yeah. and, and so from from there, I realized you know the sommeliers they have on staff here are are pretty happy with their jobs. They're not there's not room for me to progress and and do what I want to do at this restaurant. So I looked to go to a different restaurant in Napa Valley, which is a three-star restaurant. So that's three Michelin stars. It's the highest recognition 
a, re- a fine dining restaurant can can get. Um, oh, wow. There's there's less than 20 restaurants with that rating in this country. So it's a very, very highly regarded yeah. um, restaurant called it's the restaurant. It's an amazing food, too. <laughs> amazing food. Celebrity chef, the restaurant at Meadowood. It's in St. Helena. And I applied there. And uh, the restaurant director at the time said, you know, you'll be perfect to be the assistant to the wine director here. Um, so right, right off the bat, I joined the wine program at this very prestigious, beautiful restaurant and spent about five years total working there in their wine program. And, uh, during those years, I, I did several tests. Part of becoming a sommelier is you have the opportunity to become certified by a couple different organizations very rigorous testing to test your your knowledge your tasting abilities and then your service skills so I worked my way through the program of the quartermaster sommeliers which the movie Psalm kind of explains how that test works mm-hmm. so I spent quite a few years about 10 years studying from 2009 to let's see 2019 I took the master sommelier exam for the second time. Yeah, so it's a it's the highest level of their organization. There's very few have passed. It's about a four percent pass rate of that test. Wow, so harder than any bar exam. Um, uh, yeah, just, I commend you. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't pass it, so don't commend me. It's uh, it's an honor to, taking it. to take That's- it. Yes. That's right there. That's the first step. (laughs) Yeah. But in that environment, the guests really, um, they're asking you a lot of questions. The the wine list at Meadowood had 2,000 selections and you were expected to know about all of them and be able to answer any general question about the restaurant, the hotel, Napa Valley, the wine industry, the world of wine. I kind of be the entertainment for the evening as well. Um, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> it was a, a lot, it was a lot. It's one a, person. It's a high pressure environment, but very satisfying because you're working with a group of people who are as dedicated and passionate as you are about what they're doing. And the guests you're taking care of are just thrilled to be there. The, the food is wonderful. You're working with some of the best ingredients, um, that you get to present and of course the wines were you know the best wines of the world that I got to taste on a nightly basis um it was almost which is ever so lucky (laughs) it was it was it was the good part of the job the best part of the job really you know the the treasure trove of rare and fine wines that would either be brought in by guests or that we'd open from our cellar so it was, that was a, a really great experience. Um, so I spent years there doing that job. And during that time, uh, there was a gentleman who started working there as a food runner. So same job that I'd started off with at the other restaurant. And he ended up being um, Matt Iconis. And 
Ah. So we met in 2011. Oh, no, I guess a little bit later, 2012. Yeah, he started 2012. And we got to chatting and he at the time was working during the day, working harvest at a winery called Antica Napa Valley. And he was trying to save money to pay for some grapes to make wine for himself. And he had made he had made one Pinot Noir the year before, and that was in barrel, four barrels of Pinot. And then mm-hmm. he was making Pinot and Chardonnay that second year in 2012. And uh, oh, wow! So at that time, I was running the wine program for the restaurant. And we were pretty short staffed, so he was assigned to be my assistant. Oh, yeah! And so I love that's, this. That's how <laughs> we got to to know each other and spent a lot of time working together. We kept our relationship pretty hush hush. You know that that mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't something we wanted to uh, let everyone know about. And uh, actually, we kept it pretty secret until I left Meadowood and. Matt announced to the the boss, he said, well, and actually, you know, Alexis and I are getting married. He said, what? <laughs> so He didn't know. How cute. <laughs> so it was very cute. And uh, he, uh, you know, he was starting brick and mortar wines. And that was before, you know, he had a name for it. Um, so we tasted those first wines uh, while we were dating. And I've really been part of the business since the very beginning. Um, so here we are in yeah. 2020, almost, this is our 10th harvest that we're working on this year coming up. Wow. Yeah. That's a milestone. Congratulations. It is. 10 years, 10, 10 harvests rather. Yeah. It, that's it, It's gone by really fast. My husband's pretty young. He's 34 and I'm 38. So it just, we started this all when we were in our twenties and you know, it's it's been a lot of work, but very satisfying to see things growing every year. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy for you. And I'm so glad that you, you know, uh, are talking to us today because like, I think a lot of people do not understand like the process and how long it takes and like, you know, winemaking and it's a, the whole process. Like the entire industry is, is so cumbersome and there's so many pieces and people that make it amazing. And you and your husband have definitely uh, come up the the ranks, if you will, and created your own uh, vineyard. It's so amazing. And and my hat's off to you guys. Well, thank you. You do, you do what you need to do. And actually, 2019 was the first year I was able to not have two or three jobs. So now I just have one job, which is to... Oh, wow. Uh, manage brick and mortar and sell my own wine. Um, my husband has been full time with our company only for a little bit longer, about five years, but we've always needed to do a lot of different things to bring in the money to kind of grow our business and support ourselves. And, and now finally, you know, 10, 10 years in, it's looking a lot different than when we started. So you're absolutely right. Yes. It takes a long time to get a wine business established. Well, we're so excited. And, you know, I definitely want to have you back to talk more about your your amazing wines. But I wanted to just uh, let you put out there, like, 
what products you have, like what types of wine you sell and where people can find you uh, to purchase or follow you on social media. Yeah. So brick and mortar wines is focusing on Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and sparkling wines and rosé, of course. So (laughs) we do... We do actually five different rosés. That's how much we love this category. Yes. Yeah. And what's been really fun is making those sparkling wines. We have a Brut Rosé. We have um, a Sonoma Coast Sparkling Rosé. And then a a Still Rosé of Syrah from Sonoma Coast. And then something that might be really interesting to your listeners is we have started making wine in can and uh, we have two canned rosés one is a still rosé one is a bubbly rosé and that's something we started this is our fourth year making canned wine and we never imagined that this is something that we would be focusing on we'd always make bottled wines um, but it's been incredibly popular and has really moved our business into a whole different level um you know we wanted to make really great quality wine but at a affordable price easily accessible and really take the the fussiness out of of wine so we uh are making quite a lot of that now and we've gotten some some great support from all over the country for for those wines but oh that's amazing the best place to find our wine is on our website, which is brickandmortarwines.com. And uh, your listeners can enter a code Rose Hour and get uh, a 10% discount off their order if yes. they'd like to. Yeah. So you could repeat that or put it in your notes uh, for later. Yes. We will but, definitely 10% off using our code Rose Hour, yep. guys. Yep. Rose Hour. And the cans are really fun for summer. They're a half bottle, so a good two and a half glasses. All of our wines are generally really bright, citrusy, lower alcohol than the traditional California wine. You know, the cans mm-hmm. are 10 to 11 and a half percent alcohol, so easy to enjoy and not feel feel too much of the effects Um, (laughs) you can still function (laughs) you can still function and uh yeah my instagram is brick at brick and mortar wines or my personal one is at alexis iconis and all of our contact info is right on there so your listeners can shoot me a email or a, um, a message on instagram and i'd love to talk more about uh the different wines that we have Oh my gosh. Well, you have to join us for our virtual happy hour and maybe like walk us through all of your rosés because you have quite a few and I'm here for all of them and my favorite are brutes. So I'm I'm excited about all of this. That's great. Um, So one last question before we go. What is a great like pairing for the can uh, rosés? Because I think most people are getting into the cans. You know, it's great for traveling, picnics, the, the beach. Um, barbecues. So, like, what would you say is a great pairing for your 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 rosés in a can? Yeah, well, they're really dry. They're fruity, like watermelon, raspberry, um, really bright. I like to have it with a little prosciutto or salami, little cheese plate. It's perfect with the picnic. Or, you know, you don't have to be fussy just with 
whatever sandwich that you're bringing to the beach is perfect. Um, my husband would tell you he likes to have the bubbles with fried chicken, and that's his favorite pairing. So, but not you know, everybody. It's something fried about it. Day. <laughs> yeah. There's something about it, though. Yeah. Brose is what I like to say. Go ahead with the brose. Yep, yep. <laughs> Well, Alexis, this has been fun and I can't wait uh, to have you back on and then also on the virtual happy hour. So uh, stay tuned, guys, because there is more with brick and mortar wineries. Thank you. (laughs) Well, cheers, Alexis. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Alexis, for sharing your story. And oh my gosh, your wine is so good. Oh, I love a rosé in a can. You can take it everywhere you are. Yay. <laughs> Want to thank all of our guests today, uh, Tish Around Town and Alexis for Brick and Mortar Wines. I uh, want to thank Bartender Ben, as well as all of our friends here at Fairhill Studios. Don't forget to follow us, subscribe, hit those buttons so you know when our next episode is coming out, which is every Wednesday. And also check us out at Virtual Happy Hours at 630 on IGTV, as well as our Soulful Sundays, which we're starting back up because we needed a little break. That's what summer's for, right? want to also just let you guys know that we have merch so go to our website therosearpodcast.com and also wanted to thank all of our amazing guests uh, who will be at our um, super duper awesome virtual happy hour uh, tomorrow at the Harlot or here at Fairhill Studios I know it's like Wednesday and we still try to figure this out anywho check us out we're going to talk about Black Vets and all that amazingness so check us out and uh, yeah we'll see you next week <laughs> cheers Pew, 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 pew!